policy-wise and impact-wise, the findings of this research will offer new knowledge to this relatively unresearched topic. And this knowledge will help us, both Cyprus as well as related uh, nations to this research, such as Greece and the UK, to inform their current cultural policies and diplomacies. At the time of recording, this podcast featured a conversation on Dr. Hajat Anasiu's work on cultural diplomacy and soft power. We're pleased to announce that Dr. Hajat Anasiu's book on propaganda and the Cyprus revolt was published with IB Tories in June 2020, shortly after this episode was originally recorded. You may find a link to the book in the description of this episode. And welcome to an episode of The Conversation. I am your host, Petros Petrikos. Today we host Dr. Maria Hajatanasiu, a cultural historian. This podcast focuses on cultural diplomacy and concepts of power and attraction in Cyprus from 1945 to 1974. Maria is currently a Marie Sklodowska Curie Whitening Fellow at the Department of Politics and Governance at the University of Nicosia, funded by the European Commission's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Program. Her project under the acronym QDSI, Cultural Diplomacy in Cyprus, identifies and examines British, Greek, and Turkish cultural agents active in Cyprus from the end of the Second World War in 1945 to the Turkish invasion of 1974, analyzing their role in the course of history. Maria is also a senior research fellow at the Diplomatic Academy, University of Nicosia, and later this year, her first monograph under the title Propaganda and the Cyprus Revolt, Rebellion, Counterinsurgency and the Media, 1955-59, is getting published by I.B. Torres Publishing House. Maria's main research interests are cultural diplomacy and cultural policy during the end of empires and the use of propaganda during colonial insurgencies and counterinsurgencies. She has studied literature and art history in the UK and she received her PhD in modern history from the University of Bristol in 2017. Maria is also a colleague and friend who will be sharing some of her work with us today. So uh, let's begin by looking at a uh, general overview of uh, what cultural diplomacy is all about and with specifically when it comes to Cyprus. Hello, Pedro. Thank you for having me here today. It's a great pleasure to be here with you and for giving me the chance to talk about my research here at the University of Nicosia. So as you very correctly mentioned, um, back in September 2019, I started a postdoctoral fellowship here at the university at the Department of Politics and Governance on the topic of cultural diplomacy in Cyprus from 1945 to 1974. The project's title, the complete title, is uh, Power Through Attraction, British, Greek and Turkish Cultural Diplomacy in Cyprus, 1945-1974. QDSI, just to use the, the project acronym, sets out to investigate cultural diplomacy of three states, the UK, Greece, and Turkey, as it was practiced in the small island of Cyprus between the dates I've mentioned. 
the project is both timely and relevant as it aspires to set a new paradigm in the growing field of cultural diplomacy by becoming hopefully a study model for an innovative approach towards the exploration of external cultural influence in countries which historically and or currently accommodate ethnically diverse populations, for example, Syria, Lebanon, and the Balkans. So QDSI aims in contributing to the discussion about the conceptualization of power, politics, authority, and governance, and on the formation and transformation of identity. Um, so if we want to set the time frame for this project, QDSI begins with the last 15 years of Cyprus as a British colony, moving on to the violent anti-colonial revolt of uh, 1955 to 59, and following with the first years of the Republic from 1960 to 74. Mm -hmm. That's uh, some quite interesting research questions you have there. Uh, mind if I ask how did this project come about? Or what was uh, the, um, uh, the build-up? How did you decide to get involved in this, uh, specifically with cultural diplomacy in Cyprus? So I'll have to say that this project is really the culmination of my uh, studies and interests. Um, although I did a PhD in modern history, um, receiving a PhD from the University of Bristol back in 2017 on the topic of propaganda in Cyprus during the 1950s, focusing on comparative um, research on propaganda media between the British and the Greeks, Greek Cypriots uh, during the revolt. Uh, having previously studied literature for my bachelor's and art history for my master's and having worked a little bit in cultural organizations in Cyprus, really moving on to the topic of cultural diplomacy uh, was something that came quite naturally. Um, so after completing the PhD, my goal was to create, prepare a research proposal that would put really my research interests and hobbies, if you like, into something that would uh, develop into a research project. So getting the Marie Curie Widening Fellowship was a best case scenario for me after coming back to Cyprus as it gave me the chance and the opportunity to, to focus on, on what I really enjoy looking at. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic, and uh, congratulations are definitely in order. I'd like to ask a bit more about, a bit, I understand you are still at the preliminary phase, you're still collecting your data, which is quite interesting at this point because you have the opportunity to see how the process and the project itself will, un will unravel. So when we look at the impact that you hope that this project will have. Um, does it have a policy element? Does it impact policy in any way? Will it impact policy as such? Uh, is there, um, wh what's the sort of focus here in terms of policy? So you very rightly stated that I'm currently in the preliminary stages of the project. Um, at the moment, I'm conducting the literature review. So I'm doing a, re a research on the available secondary material that is published research on the topic. So basically looking on what has been published so far 
on British, Greek, and Turkish cultural diplomacy uh, between 45 and 74. And after completing this part of the research, I'm going to move on to my primary research, which is going to focus on archival research mainly in the UK, Greece, Cyprus, uh, with the final aim of creating a database of available primary material dealing uh, with my subject. So the next step would be analyzing this data and hopefully uh, creating um, several outputs such as academic and lay publications as well as an international conference on uh, cultural diplomacy in the region uh, that would produce an edited volume dealing with the several national cultural diplomacies which exist in the Eastern Mediterranean. Policy-wise and impact-wise, um, to answer your question, hopefully the, the findings of this research, the results, if you like, will offer new knowledge to this relatively unresearch, unresearched topic. And this knowledge will help us, both um, Cyprus as well as related uh, nations to this research, such as Greece and the UK, to inform, if you, if you like, their current cultural policies and diplomacies by getting to know a little bit more of their past use of these um, tools, if you like, instruments, cultural diplomacy, cultural policy, are both um, na national instruments, national tools for any nation to use in their attempt to attract um, a target audience or project um, their perceived image abroad. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, well, through these uh, very few last points that you've mentioned, um, I'm also interested in to see whether you are looking at, uh, because it's obviously within the your introduction and the overall theme as well, whether you're looking at Turkey primary sources as well to, certain, to any extent, and uh, whether you are um, you're conducting travel in the UK, in Greece, but and in Cyprus, luckily here, um, any sort of potential conferences when it comes to Turkey, any other uh, insights that we can get from Turkey through this project. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, as regards the case of Turkey, my plan includes looking at secondary public sec secondary material that is published um, material on the cultural diplomacy conducted by Turkey during the period in question. This project does not f uh, foresee travel to Turkey for mm -hmm. archival research, mainly because the archival, uh, the archival research is expected to be uh, in Turkish and for the time being, unfortunately, I don't have the, the, um, the language, I don't speak the language. But um, hopefully, and I say this with uh, a bit of hesitancy, if you like, in the future, uh, I'll be able to, to conduct research on Turkish cultural diplomacy, especially as we see Turkey today conducting cultural diplomacy. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a good uh, consideration for future research, and it's very useful to lay the foundations now, uh, which will lead you on new paths, new challenges, mm-hmm. and it's quite exciting as well. Overall, I have to say that it's a uh, it's quite a brilliant research project. Myself, as I'm interested in general when it comes to diplomatic uh, diplomacy and policy in general, it's interesting to in this case to see who performs cultural diplomacy and uh, i'm much more curious about the methods do we know uh do we have any brief data on what sort of methods as part of cultural diplomacy these uh, countries in the case of cyprus were exercising so first of all we need to ask what do we mean by a country's and nation's um, strategy in cultural diplomacy. If we manage to get this this question answered, then it'll be much easier for us to think about its tools, its instruments, its methods, its ways. So why does a nation conduct or has conducted cultural diplomacy in the past and now? arguably in order to attract an audience whether this audience is its local audience the, the nations the country's local audience or an external audience uh, a foreign country's audience or audiences so we should really ask what does the country want to do with its strategy in cultural diplomacy which are its aims? What does it need to achieve? Does it need to achieve collaboration between two nations or more than two nations? Um, Does it need to avoid conflict between those nations? So to what end does it use cultural diplomacy? Um, Cultural diplomacy is a foreign policy instrument. So along with economic diplomacy, uh, we have cultural diplomacy, which means using a nation's cultural traits, um, projecting them abroad to a foreign audience in order to make that audience feel more comfortable, if you like, with that given country, with that given foreign people. So. If we, let's personalize for a bit um, nations and countries. If I'm a country and you're a country and you you want to get to know me, for me, in order to do that, I need to show you some traits, some cultural traits of myself in order to help you to understand me, in order to help you to build a relationship with me, in order for us to have mutual agreements on some specific issues. So consider cultural diplomacy as, um, as a communication method, if you like, mm-hmm. for two foreign states or little known states to get to know each other and build trust between each other and create future collaborations. And these collaborations will eventually bring collaborations in other sectors, for example, trade um, or f- indeed um, larger uh, foreign policy goals. Mm -hmm. Okay, 
that's um, quite insightful. Uh, but can also cultural diplomacy, apart from identifying these useful cultural traits which establish better communication routes and better working relations in different fields, can it also be used and has it already been used by Britain, for example, as an instrument of manipulation? Has it? Um, I, I assume the answer is yes, but how in the case of Cyprus, wh whether this was used or not, how, what kind of... Uh, impact it and have uh, during the period that you're examining? Well, it depends on what colors you put on the word manipulation. Mm -hmm. um, any big state that has um, a developed cultural diplomacy strategy uses this strategy as a tool to achieve its goals. For example, if we take Britain, or the British Empire, if you like, um, because I'm dealing with the empire before dissolving. Um, Britain established its cultural arm in Cyprus through the British Council. So in a previous research I conducted on the origins of the British Council in Cyprus, and I must mention that the Council was founded in Cyprus in 1935, as early as 1935, from its very early beginning. Um, until 1955, which was the beginning of the Eoga revolt, the Greek Cypriot revolt against its British colonial ruler, um, I, I discovered that the British Council, which was really the um, organization for establishing developing cultural relations between Cypriots and the empire and the metropole, if you like, in London. Um, the council used several ways in order to get to the people. A few examples would be um, organizing film nights, concerts, tea parties between mm -hmm. uh, British and Cypriot ladies. Um, art exhibitions, um, having guest lecturers from the UK giving speeches uh, to the Cypriot audience, or having field projections in village squares and the cities. So all those cultural activities that on a first look, uh, they look simply entertaining, and uh, getting a bit deeper if you like, you can see them as opportunities for developing public relations, for developing uh, communication, for developing um, relationships between people. So um, to go back to your use of the word manipulation, uh, it depending on the goal, for example, uh, what did Britain want to uh, want want to achieve in Cyprus by founding the council here with five, no less than five institutes in a very small island. Mm -hmm. So having perceived that the, um, the national feeling in Cyprus was getting stronger and stronger, um, the empire needed a way in order to get to the people and culture was a way of doing that or at least it was a, a way to try to do that. Um, arguably, it was 
uh, a little short and a little too late, as we've seen uh, with uh, the later development of events. Nevertheless, there was a conscious attempt of achieving um, the empowerment of um, those relationships, if you like, between uh, mostly the, the elites, both uh, the Cypriot elites uh, and the British uh, colonial government, but moving beyond that between uh, the people. Mm -hmm. And in the process exhibiting traits of soft power as well. Exactly. Mm -hmm. I would say that soft power is a later term um, that characterizes, along with other uh, diplomacies, also cultural diplomacy today. Mm -hmm. That's uh, quite interesting to observe. Um, but I'm actually wondering beyond Cyprus as well, what's happening. So this model you're exploring, you've already mentioned that there are cases like Lebanon and Syria in your introduction, uh, which also experienced uh, colonial rule. Can we see other uh, similar patterns in those cases? Yes, uh, thank you for this question. It's actually very insightful. Uh, in fact, this uh, project was based on literature suggesting this uh, model took place in other um, areas of the world as well. Focusing at the time after the Second World War, cultural diplomacy, in fact, came to play an increasingly prominent role in the conduct of foreign relations, for example, in the Middle East. So, as um, J.R. Vohan argues in the admittedly religiously diverse Levant, competition and negotiation for power over cultural institutions played a surprisingly prominent role in defining political and diplomatic allegiances. So nations such as the UK and France were actually competing for influence in the region. And influence here is a very, very telling word, because when we're talking about cultural diplomacy, today soft power, we're talking about persuading mm -hmm. someone about something, attracting them through soft means, um, influencing them, uh, avoiding coercion, avoiding hard power. So going for influence, mm. soft means. Mm, but I in a way also, apart from avoiding coercion, in a establishing consent between those participating exactly. actors. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So persuading someone to consent, mm -hmm. if you like. So all these nations, such as um, the UK and France, former empires, um, at this point in time, after two destructive world wars, preferred naturally to avoid open political or military conflict. Never again was the slogan right after the Second World War. In this way, giving to cultural diplomacy an unusually prominent role. So during this time after the Second World War, foreign governments created or even expanded cultural diplomacy programs, uh, using, using them as intermediaries for example, an array of cultural ambassadors, and those cultural ambassadors could be artists, academics, sportsmen, and institutions. For example, look at the British Council, or Alliance Francaise, or the Dante Alighieri Society in mm. Italy. 
However, what is also being argued is that Western policymakers, in failing to improve conditions at the political level, even though using all those soft means, um, they made this, uh, the successful conduct of cultural diplomacy in the region, in the Middle East and Near East region, in the Levant, if you like, immeasurably more difficult. So taking example from the soft action of uh, the former British Empire, the former French Empire in the region, I draw our research tools in Cyprus, in the case of Cyprus, which has never been examined before under this specific spotlight. And I'm interested in firstly identifying those, those cultural agents, those irregular warriors, if you like, a preferred term characterizing uh, cultural ambassadors, identifying them and identifying their actions or inactions in Cyprus. So at this point, we cannot really say whether they were successful in conducting, performing cultural activities, cultural diplomacy in Cyprus. At the first uh, stage, we need to identify them first, identify their actions, their worries, their interpretations of uh, local temperaments, and then see whether their policies, their strategies, whether that strategy actually existed, in fact, was successful in the case of Cyprus. Mm -hmm. Okay. I have one last question, and um, it's probably a challenging question, but it's also useful for, well, further thinking. Um, we... Are there any continuities, um, actually let me rephrase, are there any contemporary examples in the region, in the Eastern Mediterranean region, uh, that uh, we can identify as part of cultural diplomacy, or is it like, is, there just, is it just a link, a, a colonial remnant, if you'd like, that is being manifested today, so like we see cultural diplomacy being uh, well, reformed or appearing again because of this colonial link? Or is this something new that we see today? Well, this is definitely a topic for another research. Mm -hmm. uh, but if I could just uh, offer some initial thoughts on, on your question, I would start by saying that nothing really ever starts from scratch, right? So um, knowing already that cultural diplomacy began long, long time ago, not in the age of 20th century empires, but in the age of Byzantine Empire, for example, it would be naive to assume that we are nowadays using a, complete, a completely new model of cultural diplomacy. Words uh, may change, um, euphemisms may be used, so we no longer use the term cultural propaganda because the word propaganda has uh, negative connotations, but cultural strategies that were used at the beginning of the 20th century or in the middle of the 20th century are definitely being used today as well, albeit in a different form and perhaps using different language. But the intentions, the goals, 
the hopes, uh, if you like, remain pretty much similar to those before them. Um, negotiations for power and the use of attractive means in order to achieve that power are very much present in our world today as they were in our world a hundred years ago. So, for example, you can see modern states using uh, currently very much the tool of uh, cultural diplomacy in their foreign relations, and Turkey is certainly one of them. Post-Brexit, Britain is definitely one of them. Even today's Greece is pursuing a much more well-rounded cultural diplomacy line that it used to a few years back. So yes, definitely I would say that using the tools, the methods, the theory of the past, our world today conducts cultural diplomacy uh, in all sorts of spheres. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Maria, it has been very insightful. Like I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation and I hope you uh, also <laughs> enjoyed um, getting challenged a bit and definitely have. Thank you, Pedro. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me here today. Thank you for coming. And for giving me the chance to say a little bit about my project. Thank you. <laughs>